0: Hey, so, Alex, did you watch the Super Bowl last Sunday? No, I watched uh, Downton Abbey. Why would I watch the Super Bowl? I hate sports. Uh, Maybe because not watching the Super Bowl can be a sport. What? It's called Last Man. Uh, I talked to Brendan Loy, who's probably the foremost fan and promoter of Last Man.
1: Last Man is a game that was invented by Kyle Welliston where the participants try to go as long as they can without finding out who won the Super Bowl or the score of the Super Bowl.
0: That's all fine and good, but I don't even know who won the Super Bowl this year. In fact, I don't know who won the Super Bowl ever in history. Okay. First of all, that's really crazy. Uh, Second of all, I think you're getting hung up on the Super Bowl part of this. I don't think it's about the Super Bowl. I think it's about the idea that there are just these, like, massive pieces of information that even if you don't care about him, even if you don't care about the Super Bowl, even if you don't care about Michael Jackson, if something big happens with it, you're going to know whether you want to or not. So basically, like, any piece of celebrity news that I studiously avoid. Yeah, if the celebrity is big enough. Brennan said that actually the best game of Last Man you ever could have played in history would have been about a trial.
1: It would have been on October 3rd, 1995, which is the day of the O.J. Simpson verdict was announced and there was about a 24 hour lead time so theoretically you could have played last man oj simpson
0: verdict that's sort of like the beauty of this game is that it just makes you think about how you consume information they call it running from the knowledge the knowledge is like who won the super bowl and however they get it they'll say death by so like if you heard it on the radio death by radio i get it i'm on board uh what happened this year i have no idea uh for that we will have to go to tldr's sports desk my friend lisa pollack
2: hey pj hey alex Hey, Lisa. Hey, Lisa.
0: So you're going to give us the play-by-play of this year's Last Man competition. Right. How many people play?
2: I actually have no idea how many people play. (laughs) I do know that on Twitter there were 15 people who announced publicly that they were going to play. And I thought you might feel a little more invested in the game if I could tell you some heartwarming stories about a couple of them.
0: Sort of like the up-close-and-personal treatment.
2: Exactly. Can we get some music?
3: My name is uh, Jeffrey Drozick Fitzwater.
2: Okay, Jeffrey is something of a last-man legend. He still does not know, and this is true, who won the Super Bowl in 2012. But last year, things didn't work out so well. What happened is that Jeffrey works for this nonprofit organization that organizes recess for kids in low-income areas, which means he spends his day in elementary school.
3: I came into school and... Uh, Before the day started, a fourth grader came up to me and asked me if I'd watch the game. And I said, no. And before I could say, and I don't want to know who won, he blurted out, the Ravens won. And I was like, oh, okay."
2: Okay, this next guy is probably our most unlikely last man player.
3: I'm John Carney. I'm a columnist for the Wall Street Journal's Heard on the Street.
2: Wait, he's a reporter? Yeah. Talk about courage, right? Not only is he a reporter, not only does he live and work in New York City, just nine miles from the Super Bowl, But the day after the Super Bowl is going to be his first day at a new job. He just left CNBC to go to the Wall Street Journal, which means that on Monday, he'll have to walk past a news ticker just to get into work. And then outside, looming above the city, the Empire State Building, which, as you know, PJ, will be lit up Monday morning with the colors of the winning team. So the odds are stacked against him.
0: But okay, wait. So wait, how does the actual game start?
2: The official start time is three hours after kickoff on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to take you to Houston, where Jeffrey, our 2012 champion, has clearly come to play.
3: I logged off of uh, Facebook and Twitter, so I don't accidentally there and see things. And, and we just uh, hung out for the evening, watched a movie,
0: went to bed. That really does not sound that hard.
2: Okay, well, Super Bowl Sunday is actually the easy part. Monday, when the knowledge is everywhere and you have to go out in the world and face it, that's when things get intense.
1: Hello, John? Hey, can you hear me? So
2: that's the Wall Street Journal reporter, John Carney.
1: I believe the Super Bowl ended around 11 hours ago.
3: Um, not quite sure on that, just because I've been avoiding every piece of news that had to do with the Super Bowl. I think the snowstorm that hit New York today has helped out a lot.
2: I'll stop him here. This is what we call the cold weather advantage. When the newspaper boxes are covered with snow, it's hard to see the headlines.
0: But he still has to go to the office.
2: Yeah, that's right. And even if he can avoid the ticker and the TVs and the building full of news gatherers, then he has to dodge and weave through the first day of work small talk without being blindsided by the knowledge.
0: All right. Sorry to interrupt you here. First, I wanted to congratulate you on packing so many sports metaphors into your reporting. Also, I just noticed that it's funny how actually just small talk becomes a huge obstacle in this.
2: And if you think it's bad in New York, PJ, try Texas. A football state, where on Monday morning we've got Jeffrey, you know, our former champion at his desk, and you know, defense wins championships. So when the Super Bowl small talk hits, he blocks his coworker with elaborate tennis gossip.
3: All they said was, "Hey, did you see the game last night?" And my response was, "No, but did you see the United States got knocked out of the Davis Cup at home to Great Britain on clay?" And uh, they had no idea what I was talking about, and that kind of killed me.
2: In this year's Last Man, the first 36 hours were a bloodbath. On Twitter, I read about death by roommate, death by email subject line, death by CBS sports app push alert. And by Tuesday morning, there are only six publicly declared players left. The breakout star of the group is a rookie named David McDowell. He lives in Oxford, Mississippi. I talked to him on Tuesday morning.
1: It is 10.40 a.m. on Tuesday, and I am deep in a pit of wonder. I do not know who won the Super Bowl.
2: And what does that feel like?
1: It feels, it feels lonely.
2: So David's got a secret weapon, and his name is James.
1: I have my best friend James um, is pretty much the one person I could really honestly trust.
2: Trust is this big deal in Last Man. Because for some reason, there's all these people who follow the game on Twitter, not to root for anyone, but to figure out ways to bring them down mostly by embedding the knowledge in unwanted correspondence.
1: So what I'll do is if I get an email that I think may be a saboteur, I can turn my phone sideways, kind of, where I can see what page I'm on, but I can't read it. And I'll take a screenshot and send it to him. And he will tell me if it is safe or if it contains the knowledge. Getting to uh, day two is a big accomplishment.
2: Okay, that's John Carney again. He is still alive two days after the Super Bowl.
0: He seriously spent the day at a newspaper without hearing who won the Super Bowl the day
2: before? It's a mental game, PJ. John told me he spent the day just trying to distract himself with work. He wrote his first Wall Street Journal column. It was about the lack of growth in consumer lending. He kept his head down, and by Monday night he was feeling so good that he even allowed himself to lift his media blackout a little.
3: I let myself watch uh, some Downton Abbey. I figured that would be safe from the knowledge.
2: Tuesday, John goes back to work. He goes all day without getting the knowledge. He leaves work, he heads home, and then, at 8.30 on Tuesday night, he tweets, Ah! Slaughtered.
1: I got a little careless, and there it was, the knowledge.
2: You remember how John wrote that column the first day at work? So Tuesday night, he's walking home, and he passes by this newsstand and he sees that day's Wall Street Journal. and he starts thinking, "Oh, that that must be the issue with my story in it." And he can't help himself. So
3: as I walked past the newsstand, I saw the, the the paper, and it actually took me a couple steps beyond it to realize what I had seen.
2: So what John saw was this tiny headline in a banner at the top of the paper. It said, quote, "The plan to stop Peyton Manning." you know. Peyton Manning, the Broncos quarterback. A newspaper probably isn't gonna write a story about the plan to stop the Broncos quarterback two days after the Super Bowl, unless the Broncos have been stopped. That's the knowledge.
1: I think I almost tried to fight it for a minute. Like, well, no, no, maybe you don't know. You know, maybe he got, you know,
3: had to leave the game. And then they could have won without him. But I I knew I knew, you know, deep inside me. My heart knew that I knew. And, you know, I'm out.
2: Meanwhile, in Houston, Jeffrey's getting worried. Tuesday night, he and his wife, Abby, she's playing too, are going to a restaurant with friends. And it's a restaurant with televisions.
3: As soon as I walked in, I look up and TV's on ESPN. But thankfully, it didn't look like they were showing anything football. But... I just kept looking up at it as I was placing my order. and I was like, I gotta get away from this TV. So finally I go somewhere where I can't see a TV and a guy I know comes in and because uh, it's February, we start talking about Black History Month. And just out of nowhere he says, do you know what else happened in Black History this week? The second Black quarterback ever won the Super Bowl.
2: Yes, death by Black History Month reference.
3: For a moment I was like, Did both teams have a black quarterback? No, (laughs) just Seattle has a black quarterback. And it was weird because I actually, like, physically felt it washing over me like a wave. Like, it started, like, at my shoulders. Like, you just feel it rolling over me. It was the weirdest sensation.
2: And a couple hours later, Jeffrey's wife, Abby, dies, too. She takes the risky step of checking her Twitter account and discovers she's been followed by a saboteur with the Twitter name Seattle143.8
0: everybody's getting killed off. This is getting Game of Thronesy.
2: I know. By Tuesday night, they're almost all gone. Death by NPR, death by New York Times news alert sent to work email. So at this point, on Twitter at least, David, the rookie, is the last last man alive.
1: I just did the math. It's uh, something like 62 hours and 40 minutes or something close to that.
2: This is David on Wednesday morning.
1: <laughs> I'm not enjoying the game any longer. It was fun yesterday. It's it's not fun today.
2: David's totally stressed out. He's media-deprived. Saboteurs are on his heels. Twitter's gotten so dangerous that his friend James has taken over the account completely. He picks the safest reading material he can think of, an article on al-Qaeda in Foreign Policy magazine. And he still feels compelled to block out the screen with his hands on the sides just to be safe. How long do you think this is going to go on?
1: I don't know. I have no idea how long this is going to go on. I would. um, I would like to watch the Olympics.
2: You're thinking that they're going to talk about the Super Bowl at the Olympics.
1: I mean, I guess in theory, those are like the two teams that played in the Super Bowl are typically winter type places.
0: I don't know. I just don't know what I can trust, Lisa. That doesn't even make sense.
2: This is what it means to be the last man. Consider the level of paranoia it takes to prevent someone from watching the Olympics. Because both Super Bowl teams were from cold-weather states, and the Olympics are in a cold climate. Which maybe isn't even that crazy when you consider that Black History Month killed the last aspiring last man.
1: Nothing has controlled my life more than the Super Bowl in the last 63 hours.
0: Listening to all this makes me just sort of realize how powerful the Super Bowl is. Like, any, any of these sort of big information events, try to resist them, it's like they seek you out. I mean, in the end, last man means that me and Alex, two people who actually probably could have avoided talking about the super bowl this week are now talking about the super bowl a week after it happened on our like geeky internet podcast
2: oh pj you know what they say at the sports desk
0: if it's a sports thing i don't know what they say
2: (laughs) (laughs) there's always next year
0: lisa pollock heads up tldr sports desk we'll look forward to more coverage of internet sports later this year one quick update since we recorded this story, after three days, 14 hours, and 12 minutes, the knowledge got David. Here's what happened. He felt safe, he got back on Twitter, and he got sabotaged by the same person who got Jeffrey's wife, Abby. He actually was a man. He said, the fact that most people in my life don't just scream the answer in my face proves that humanity is generally good. PLDR was produced this week by the Silver Woman and me, PJ Vote. Lisa Pollack heads up our sports desk. Our executive producer is Blodgers and Hammerstein. Our engineer is Sir Andrew Dunn. Production help this week from Kimmy Regler, who also helped with the last episode and didn't get credit. Research assistance from Brendan Loy. Our theme song is by the very mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You can buy more TLDR at tldr.onthemedia.org. We tweet at TLDR. We are TLDR.